0: Thriving, Not Surviving, with your host, Gina Gardner. To lead others, you first need to be the best version of yourself and lead from a place of wholeness. Motivation, empowerment, leadership, personal and spiritual development are just a few of the topics you will hear on Thriving, Not Surviving. So sit back and enjoy the show with your host, Gina Gardner.
1: Welcome to this episode of Thriving Not Surviving. I'm really pleased today to be joined by my guest, Doug Gordon. But just before we start remember that you can find me on a whole range of platforms, um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and more recently on Patreon. More of that later. Now, I met Doug a couple of weeks ago and I was very, very thrilled to be a guest on his show. And we started talking and I heard about his story and thought he'd be a great guest for our show. So, as you know, I don't like to miss anything out, so I'm going to read his bio to you. Um, it's very, very interesting. Doug Gordon is CEO of DNS Performance Optimisation, a coaching, consulting and corporate training company. He's also the global goodwill ambassador for Dublin. He speaks professionally all over the world alongside ex-prime ministers Film stars, TV celebrities, New York Times best selling authors, renowned CEOs, and sports stars. His Dublin show is called Inspirational People, Inspirational Stories, and I was really thrilled to be uh, one of his guests on there, as I said. Now, Doug's had a real life change. He was a very successful um, person in the investment world and for 21 years sold hedge and mutual funds business to business to global banks and fund managers. Um, And his sales area grew from $50 million per annum to $1.75 billion in a year. And it took him six years to do that, but that's just amazing. But between 2008 and 2012, Doug went through major stress, two operations that went wrong, and then a near death experience. He has since healed himself completely by using wellness techniques and is now passionate about helping others. Since then, Doug has been helping people deliver high performance success without stress, focusing on top executives and sports people, helping them with accelerated business growth, mastery, presentation skills, lifestyle architecture, well-being and performance optimization. My goodness me, that is quite a bio. Thank you very, very much for joining us. I'm just going to change the gallery view. There we go. So, Doug, tell us your story. It's a fascinating one.
2: You know, first I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you so much for coming on my show a few weeks ago. Uh, the feedback has been phenomenal. And we had a, a really good listener uh, of people on there as well. So, yeah. So I was in the um, hedge and mutual fund world um, selling mutual funds to financial advisors, stockbrokers, global bankers, and many others um, for 21 years. And it was a really good time, really enjoyed it, kind of worked my way up from kind of, you know, customer services all the way up to board director and, and head of sales and marketing for one of the biggest asset managers in Ireland and in England. And uh, in 2008, obviously, the markets hit, and we all you know, obviously remember that. And I had um, some pretty tough times, and we a lot of, lost a lot of money within our company, And at that point, I got very stressed. Um, We were literally having people, you know, losing their jobs, walking out the door, uh, carrying boxes. And when these people mean something to you, it actually affects you quite badly. And um, I got affected. And by the end of 2009, I'd literally gone to, you know, I had ailment after ailment. I'd seen specialist after specialist, doctor after doctor and um, ended up needing two operations that unfortunately didn't go so well at the end of 2009. That then led to um, lots of pain and, uh, in the abdomen. And that led to me waking up sometimes 10 times in the night and being in meetings where I had to excuse myself to go and rub my stomach and try and sort myself out it whatever way I could. And it just got really, really bad. And it led to the anxiety and stress, led to depression. And um, I was in a right state, a really, really bad state. And it was funny, actually, my, my record year when I did 1.75 billion in, in sales, was the same year I had my near-death experience and I think it was because I was so humble because I actually didn't know whether I was going to be around for much longer um that I, I just found myself doing so well because all my interest was was in other people rather than trying to be successful myself and then at the end of uh, September in well in September 2012 I got something called the norovirus which is like a stomach bomb and um after ten days of serious dehydration, I won't go into the details because it's not really appropriate. Uh, I ended up um, <laughs> and ended up having to call an ambulance, and um, and uh, I was in with uh, in the ambulance, in the ECG and the ambulance at heart, blood pressure doubled. Uh, arrived into an A and E. I was absolutely in a state of fear, anxiety, and worry. I thought I was toast, and I was put on one of those trays, um, you know, to be rushed down to X-ray because they thought there was sort of blockage in the, in the stomach. And on the way down to x-ray, suddenly all the fear and the anxiety and everything just went away. And I was encapsulating this amazing feeling of love, energy and connection, nothing like I've ever felt before. And um, there was no man with a beard, but there was definitely a a conscious, loving energy there. And it was incredible. And at that point, um, I knew uh, I was having a near-death experience and um, I kind of woke up in x-ray and uh, I was, you know, a bit. Bewildered, but at the same time, I suddenly felt a lot better. And then within four hours, I, would, I was out of the hospital and recovered quite quickly. And I had this spiritual experience, and the spiritual experience then made me lead to do a, something called the Alpha Course in church. And um, that then led into healing and uh, spirituality. And then, obviously, because of the mind body connection, the, the healing turned into life coaching. And then because of the 21 years in the business world, life coaching turned into business coaching. Then I was asked on a radio show and podcasts. And then I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind my own radio show. And then um, ended up getting my own radio show. And then I left the corporate world in 2017 after doing a, a big conference called Fit CEO, uh, which was Ireland's first strategic um, wellness conference. And then I, I went from there, really. I've spoken all over the world with some very wonderful people. And um, yeah, you know, just now I, I work with a lot of top uh, tech companies and healthcare companies in terms of their SVP and VP level in terms of executive coaching, and then do a lot of uh, of the uh, talks around the world at different conferences as well. So I'd done like eight talks in two weeks uh, before the lockdown, and I had a load more. Where I was supposed to be talking with some really great people, and then obviously we're all on hold. So we'll see what happens.
1: It's an incredible story, and if I may, I'd like us to unpick some um, some. There are various features in that story, if I may. I mean, highly successful in your own field, and you know, a, a, a professional life that many people would dream of, because the rewards of of creating a hedge fund worth one point seven five billion are going to be significant. Mm-hmm. What for you do you think was the biggest stress? Um, around that time in your life, what were the things that were stressing you? Because I'm sure that's going to have resonance for people who are going through the current crisis.
2: Sure. Well, on top of obviously, you know, it was very stressful because we were losing a lot of money and everything like that. Um, I think it was. I, I also had my second. Well, my my ex wife had a, our second child, and we were going through some marital problems at the time as well. Um, so two kids under the age of three, plus then the um, the 08 fall in markets um i think there was i've been very left brain in the past and that would be make me very analytical um, and try and analyze everything so when people were like losing their jobs even though i was the number one performer in the team i still worried i had fear and ego was something that came in i don't mean ego is big headedness i mean ego is in fearfulness Mm -hmm. And that fearfulness really got to me. And I was concerned I was going to lose my job. And because I was one of the top performers in the company, there was a lot of pressure on me from uh, other people around, you know, expecting me to deliver. And, um, you know, also when you when you live to a certain standard and you're used to that standard and then suddenly bonuses get slashed, um, it kind of gets you. And um, I, everybody was like, I think, I don't know how much, we, we must have laid off about 30 or 40% of the staff, um, during the 08 09, uh, kind of period and everybody even the top people were were concerned yeah and that just really got to me and you know i ended up suffering from everything from neck pain to back pain to digestive issues to everything um not sleeping well anxiety it got so bad at one stage um i was even getting off the train at London Bridge and then walking across London Bridge, I would have to have, you know, some water in one hand and mince in another because the anxiety was so bad. I sometimes thought I was having a heart issue and yet I was playing Premier League hockey and was fit as a fiddle. Um, but it was all up here. And, um, and that was, that was the problem. You know, your, your mind plays tricks on you and tells you, and your ego tells you, you know, you're not good enough and you need to worry and you need to be fearful and, um, you know, it tells you that your boss doesn't like you and your wife is nagging you and all that kind of stuff. And actually, a lot of the time, none of them are really doing that. It's just your own inner self because you're not happy with yourself and you don't feel true love for yourself. Everything else seems to just escalate around you. And that was the, that was the real problem.
1: I think that's a really important point for people to take on. Well, there's, there's, there's several, but the two I think I'd like to highlight is that fear can generate such thoughts that are perceptions. There's no more reality to them than there is to a film on the screen. And yet they become our reality, don't they? Um, And they build. And the problem with fear is that it layers upon itself. So once you're anxious, then you become more anxious about what's going on. And the the reality of the situation gets harder and harder to identify, doesn't it? A
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you know, you and I um, have had some chats offline and um, I think this COVID-19 has caused a lot of fear within people. And one of the biggest things, um, which is hard for people at the moment is, you know, when you're stuck at home in close quarters with very you know, lovely loved ones, sometimes it can get a little bit scratchy and edgy at times. And um, again, because you're not out working, you're not out giving to other people. You're not out doing your usual kind of stuff. Um, sometimes you can feel a bit kind of like, oh, you know, what's life all about? Yeah. And that can cause issues as well. And then that becomes a, a self-love issue. Yeah. And I think the biggest problem with, with relationships is when you're in close quarters and when you haven't got self-love for yourself and then your partner is mirroring back the very things that you need to work on yourself um that can cause issues. And I think people a lot of people have experienced that over the last seven weeks.
1: I think that's very true. And that was going to be my second point really, is that that having love for oneself and I'm not talking about pink fluffy love where you're overindulgent, but actually mm. loving who you are, wobbly bits and all, and recognizing that you are flawed, but at the same time appreciating who you are and all the good bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the the basis of every relationship, isn't it? You know, every relationship is a reflection of the relationship you have with you. Mm. So to go back to the near-death experience and and the profound impact that had on your life, could you talk us through, I mean, was it an instantaneous thing or was it then just an awakening that you then worked on? How did that operate for you in terms of your consciousness around the quality of your life and how you were living it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, Gina, because I I reckon even, like I say, 08 was when the kind of like the thing really exasperated. But actually, you know, I was having a few digestive issues beforehand through stress. And I I certainly believe that when you're you're doing your true heart's desire or your true mission in life, um, you generally have a perfectly working body in all forms or whatever. But when you're doing something that might be just because of money, And that was what I was doing. Um, At times, uh, it can affect you. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved being out and being with people and trying to add value to people's lives as a salesperson. Um, But at the same time, a lot of it was all about just bringing in money from other sources into your own business. Mm -hmm. And I was very good at it, but I was good at it because I was good with people. And the stress then um, became more exasperated when I realized, actually, why was I doing this? What meaning did it have to my life? What did I love about my job? What do I love about myself? And what I loved most was people. And what I loved most was trying to add value to people's lives. And I found a lot of my meetings um, would be 50% business, but 50% just genuinely trying to get to know them and try and help them. And they were very open with their, um, their issues and everything like that. And I developed very long-term relationships with these people, hence then developing a lot of business because they trust you. Um, but it got to the stage where I was more interested in helping them than actually just bringing in the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think with 08 then, with, when that kind of exasperated, um, I kind of thought to myself, what is this all about? And then my issues got worse and worse and worse because of the stress obviously brings out a lot of these issues. And, um, and it just got worse. And what I, I think when you're aligned with your true self and your, your true mission in life, there's perfect health. And actually, once I, I what happened was, I, 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 even after the near-death experience, I think what happened was there was issues in terms of digestive stuff for quite some time. But I was ignoring it all the time mm-hmm. and just getting on with life. Then it was almost like the universe went, uh, hello, let's give him a wake-up call, smack, kind of thing around the head, um, near-death experience. And even then, Gina, for a few weeks, I wasn't sure. I went and did this alpha course. I wasn't sure if I even I was going to continue doing the alpha course. And I asked the universe for a sign whether I should do it. I ended up going running, tripped up while running, cut my hand, and ended up having eye or eye in cuts in my hand and two infinity signs either side of it. Um, and at that point, I thought, well, okay, that, that is a sign. I better go back and do this course. And gradually, as I got more and more into um, spirituality and then healing, um and meditation in particular um i connected more and more with my own true self and that was when all the ailments went away and i'd say pre-2013 i was probably going to the doctor once every week almost maybe two once every two weeks since 2013 and, and since i've started doing healing and meditation i think i've been three times in the last seven years so um that really shows the power of... It's dark, isn't it?
1: that the, the comparison between the two.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, and it's always... If ever something's going wrong in my body now, I have to check in myself. Okay, how? when was the last time I meditated? Um, have I been doing other things I do? Was, have I been doing my gratitude statements in terms of being grateful for what I have? Because yeah. I, I find if you're grateful for what you have, you open yourself up to receive more. Yeah. And... Uh, Am I doing enough exercise? Am I eating correctly in terms of my diet? And when I analyze them very quickly, I go, actually, no, there's an area of my life that hasn't been. And once I correct that very quickly, um, whatever it is, gone. Um, So you can self-medicate yourself through those processes.
1: That's really powerful. And, you know, ultimately, I think people have this skewed idea of loving oneself, being rather narcissistic. But I would suggest it's anything but if you truly love yourself. You are going to want the best for yourself, and in doing that, you are better placed to be of service to other people.
2: Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent.
1: So let's fast forward now to you've come to the realization and that you've started to live your life differently. How mm-hmm. uh, many people would be facing um, the dilemma of I'm in corporate world or I'm in the business world, and I don't it, it doesn't give me a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment but i want to do something else that how did you make the transition what are the things that that you would give people as as pointers to help them make that transition from being in in a a, a professional world that they're not getting enough out of in terms of fulfillment even though they may be financially or maybe they're not financially but they still want to transition
2: yeah so one of the things that i wrote down um I analyzed um, what are my skill sets? What am I good at, you know, in terms of people, in terms of presentation skills? um, uh, What am I good at? So firstly, you write down on a piece of paper, who am I? You know, what do I represent? Uh, What am I good at? Uh, What do I want for me and what I want for the world? Because I think it's very important um, is to find something that you are passionate about and you really love doing and try and make sure that it adds value to other people in some way or form. And then see if you can go and make money out of it. And that might be various different things. I mean, you know, people become multimillionaires out of being a good cook, um, you know, or being able to make jewelry out of nothing. You know, it's it's really down to what your passion is and what you love doing. And then go and do it. And if you can make money out of it, it's brilliant. And if you can't do it as a hobby anyway, because I think people get wrapped up in this world of busy, 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 must make money, must do this, must do that. And it's like you're on the rat race. And before you know it, you're 75 years of age and it's all over. And um, you don't want that. You need to, I think what I would say to people is, if you are in a state of not knowing you're, you're in the right job and you need to find what that is, is stop, reflect, realign yourself and spend some time just with yourself Try and maybe even if you've got a family, just say to your wife or your, or your husband, look, I just need two days and go away and leave the phone somewhere and just take a pad and paper and do a lot of reflection meditation and keep asking yourself, what do I want out of life? What can I do out of life? Um, and I, the other exercise I've done in the past is I've written down all the things that I enjoy doing and all those things next to them about what you could possibly do with them, you know, in in order to make money or add value to people's lives. And look, I was doing presenting for years. So I loved getting on stage and trying to, you know, sell something. Now I'm selling concepts to help people, basically, tips and tools. Um, And, you know, in terms of transition, I think the other thing to remember is, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I had a secretary, I had sales support staff, I had marketing staff, all working for me. And it was very easy. And when you go out there, it's not easy. You know, you're on your own. So I was very, I was very lucky. I'm very grateful that, you know, because I've done well in the hedge fund world, I had a bit of cash behind me. Um, And if you do, I would highly suggest getting outsourcing um, to other people, the stuff that you don't like doing. Like I have, I have a bookkeeper. I have an assistant. I have obviously an accountant, you know, outsource all that stuff as much as possible Um, because, and realize as well, have the intention of realization that, you know, work out what your hourly rate is. And how much someone who can do that for you is. So, for example, um, I have a cleaner. She costs 15 quid an hour. My, my time is multiples of that. So I don't consider that like, oh, I'm spending money at the start um, on a cleaner just because you haven't got money rolling in. Think big and think with the intention of you being successful. And I think it, the intention of what you're trying to do is very, very important as well. A friend of mine was telling me yesterday she's a bit lonely at home. And um, she sent herself some flowers. And, um, you know, uh, this is a while back uh, now during the COVID-19. And uh, then out of the blue, this man she'd never met before sent her flowers. But the intention she had of sending her own flowers, sent that intention out to the universe as such. And then that happened. So send the intention out to the universe that you're going to be successful. Act like you want to in the energy that you want to actually be. Um, And that would be my biggest... And it takes time. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, people say, you know, you can visualize these things, which I do. Uh, you can write all your goals down, which is incredibly important. You can set out a business plan, which is incredibly important. You can client map, which is incredibly important. And you activity plan, which is incredibly important as well. But at the end of the day, you need to get up and set a routine of discipline and hard work as well. And action produces results.
1: I think that's very true and really powerful because many people, you know, they've watched the secret and they think, you know, I want a Porsche and it should arrive on their doorstep. When I think, you know, it's really important to set the intention. Strangely enough, that's uh, what my post on LinkedIn was all about today, which Mm -hmm. is visualising the what you would like to be in your life and why that's important and really um getting in touch with the feeling that that engenders because it's rarely about the thing it's what that thing gives you that's the important thing um isn't it
2: 100 percent yeah
1: i'm really interested that you're um, you're an ambassador for up uh, for ireland talk to us about that if you will
2: well there's there's a there was a senator in um in america that set up something called the global uh Goodwill ambassadors, and um, it's for people who do things to help others um, without looking for anything behind it. So, when I became a healer back in 2013, I was still working, obviously, in the investment management industry. And I used to have a lot of people come around in evenings and weekends. And it started off just doing friends and family, and end up doing professional uh, footballers and rugby players and international stars. I had some amazing kind of miracle healing stuff, um, like people who were supposed to be out of injury for, who were international rugby players out out for you know kind of six weeks uh I did a healing and they were back the following week anyway um so uh what was I saying sorry I've lost track of myself um um sorry repeat the question again
1: you were ta- I was asking you about being the ambassador and you were saying it was oh yeah
2: so sorry yeah so when I first started um I was back in 2013 to 2017 I was still working, end of 2017, I was still working in the best management industry, so still earning money. So every single bit of money I got from my healings or life coachings, whatever, I gave to either the homeless or some kind of charity. Um, and a friend of mine who was a radio presenter um, found that out. And I actually did a healing on him. And he said, right, here's the 50 or 100 quid, whatever it is. And I said, no, no, well, what charity do you support the most? And he said, X, y, Z. I said, look, just please go and give it to them and and make sure you send me a receipt kind of thing that you've done it. And he did. And that happened a few times and the reputation got round. And then, then he recommended me to this organization and they did some, you know, investigation checking it was all valid and sure enough it was. And I used to, when I was working at a a investment management company here in Ireland, uh, I used to actually run a um, kind of a positive thinking and meditation classes after work on a Monday we used to get sometimes five people or we get 60 people and they'd have to pay a fiver each. And again, all the money went to charity. So, um, so after that, I think, you know, it got, the word got around and they very kindly gave me this um, award. Um, I don't know what it means, but I get a lot of other wonderful people in the, in the global goodwill ambassador world. Uh, connecting with me, and um, it's a bit of a support network. So yeah,
0: sounds brilliant.
1: So who do you work with, and how can people get in touch with you? Because we're almost at the end of the show, and I don't want to miss that out.
2: Yeah, so I, I work with so, for example, uh, one of the te- biggest tech firms in the world. They'd have like over one hundred thirty-seven thousand people worldwide. They're very big presence in Ireland and the UK, um, and I work on their SVP and VP level, and I've actually worked with their president as well. Um, here in Ireland I have um, another tech company as well I've if you look at my LinkedIn there's about 42 different um, recommendations there some of them quite famous people who I've helped some of them I've been on stage with and worked with I've worked actually you talked about the secret film earlier on I've been on stage with Lisa Nichols I've been on stage um, with Dr. John Demartini and I've had Jack Canfield on my radio show as well so um, yeah it's been a wonderful time over the last two years And, and my aim in life is to help people get the highest highest performance with the least amount of stress. And um, I've had some great success on that. So, yeah, I can help anybody. Um, the focus generally is with corporates, but also with sports people. And have a look at my LinkedIn. Uh, you can see me under Doug Gordon, and you'll see all the, um, all the people I've worked with, or some of them anyway.
1: Brilliant. And we'll make sure that all of the uh, of your links are in the show notes. So if you'd like to get in touch with Doug, then we'll make sure that, that those are in the show notes and that, that you can do that doug it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much for joining me today Um, an amazing story and lots of lessons in there for people who don't need to go through a near death experience to actually take the learning from what you're offering so thank you very much i really appreciate it don't go away folks we've got a short break Um, we'll just say a final goodbye to doug and then i'll see you in a moment so doug thank you very much for joining us
2: pleasure thank you jean
0: If you're a businesswoman who is overwhelmed or suffering from imposter syndrome, who is tired of having one disastrous relationship after another, or who finds it hard just to say no, well, it's time to take care of you. You get the best out of life by contacting Gina Gardner, relationship coach and best-selling author and motivational speaker, just visit genuinely-u.com or you can email Gina directly at Gina at genuinely-u.com Take action now. Start to thrive rather than simply survive. imagine being a highly successful enlightened leader who is in complete alignment with your best self who makes a positive difference on a daily basis let me introduce Gina Gardner an expert in developing transformational leadership with over 30 years of experience Gina has developed a unique and unrivaled approach to help you step into your genuine power To become an enlightened leader. And when you do, amazing things happen. Go to enlightenedleadership.co Or email Gina at Gina at genuinely-u.com
1: And welcome back to the second part of BBS radio. As usual, the second part of the show is a conversation between myself and my good friend, Rachel Davidson. Both of us are authors, number one, international best-selling authors, but with very different sorts of books. Mine are all around business and self-help. Rachel's the creative one, (laughs) and she has the most amazing um, trilogy of books called Beyond the Veil so go and check it out hi rachel really pleased to see you here hey gina um today we're going to be talking about the whole business of aging <laughs> in, in its its biggest sense because from the moment we're conceived we are effectively aging we changing and yet in western society particularly there's such a stigma and uh, a negative connotation
3: about the word aging isn't there yeah yeah we live in a very youth obsessed society definitely in the west yeah
1: and yet there are certain things like certain cheeses and certain wines <laughs> where age is seen as a huge advantage that actually that that there comes with that a a complexity of flavor and uh, a real depth. And I would like to put forward the view that as we age, just like a fine wine or a fine cheese, that our experiences layer upon layer upon layer give us great depth and experience. And it seems to me it's time that we owned that.
3: Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, the, the whole point of, of um existing on the planet is to uh well apart from the biological aspects of just m- maintaining the human race uh possibly um but it is to um acquire wisdom and knowledge and um there are many wise young people in the world for sure um but often wisdom and knowledge take um a matter of time to develop and and a number of experiences and, and that just literally is something that has to take time to to do you don't just um, Achieve great wisdom with a click of the finger um, It has to be worked at so age in in my head is, is, is Simply that it's not that term. I think there are that if you're below a certain uh, birthday number you, you have no value or, or opinion it's just that the likelihood of you acquiring um, a similar level of experience and and um, and uh, knowledge around what it means to live a good life, how to approach particular problems, so on and so forth, it is less likely. So, yeah. But the, I, I know plenty of old people who, frankly, are just as silly as the five-year-olds. I was going to say
1: that one of the things that strikes me is I've met ne- you know, seven-year-olds who have the wisdom of eons. And I've met octogenarians who, without having gone into a second childhood because of dementia, have are still very, very silly. Um, so, so it's not really an age thing, actually. No, it's- I think it's how we experience life. You know, I'm struck by there is much we can learn from very small children, you know, they have an awe and wonder about the world, a curiosity about the world, that if we were able to maintain that throughout our lives, I think our lives would be hugely enriched. Mm. Um, In the same way, I think there is a huge difference between being childlike and childish. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think that as we go through life, we are students, aren't we, throughout our life if we choose to be. But there are some people who have Groundhog Day. You know, they're living the same experience day by day, over and over again, and they don't actually learn from it. Mm. How many people do you know who've had one disastrous relationship after another, for example?
3: Mm.
1: But the relationship has followed exactly the same pattern. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it. I think it really is down to an attitude problem, and you can find, um, you know, fifteen-year-olds who are very fixed in their mindsets around um, what their capabilities are, what what their belief systems are. Um, And you can find 15 year olds who have a a very positive growth mindset in terms of their trust in their ability to learn and adapt and a curiosity for the world. And that template applies to every single age. Um, And obviously the subjects and um, priorities that we hold to do change as you get older and you move through different life stages but fundamentally that that mindset that attitude so which often we talk about as uh, maturity or age or you know that, that sort of sense of um of acquiring wisdom it is just simply down to to um whether you have a fixed mindset or whether you have a, a growth mindset i think that's
1: incredibly true you know one of the other things I think about age is that many people fear getting old because they feel that they will lose functionality. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that there are many examples of people who are living into their nineties and they are fit and well, and they are mentally alert and they still love life. A huge example, actually reached a hundred would be, would be Captain Tom and for those of you that are not in the uk this is um, an ex-soldier who during lockdown decided that he was going to do something for the nhs he reached his 100th birthday during lockdown and has become a phenomenon. he expected to write raise i think it was a hundred pounds or a couple of hundred pounds and ended up raising over 30 million and he's become a celebrity uh he's over 100 he's completely there with his cough drops. I mean, he's as sharp as a a knife in terms of his mental acuity. Mm -hmm. And he is a a guy who's lived his life um, and lived a good life really through service, thinking about other people and looking at how he can make a difference uh, in a small way. And as it happens um, around his 100th birthday in a monumental way but I think one of the things that strikes me is if you want to be healthy as you go uh, grow older, you have to start thinking about that when you're much younger and look after yourself physically. You know, there are so many diseases now that older people are suffering from, um, high blood pressure, um, heart problems, overweight, diabetes. Uh, a whole range of things which could be certainly avoided or minimized if people ate sensibly and looked after themselves sensibly. And it just strikes me that, you know, we are living longer, but ultimately more and more people are living sicker. And it makes sense, doesn't it, to take control of your life and to do everything you can to stay fit, to eat well, to hydrate. To get exercise, to sleep well, to you know, at a physical level, really take charge. But at the same time, to be curious, to keep learning, to keep those grey cells firing on all cylinders, um, and to keep emotionally and spiritually well by by making um, a real—I was going to say effort, but it doesn't need to be effortful. But to be conscious about how you fill your time? Are you constantly listening to negative things on the news or complaining? Um, or And do you spend time with other people who laugh and who are curious and interested in the world and, and have great conversations?
3: I mean, it is true that the absolute reality is that um, physical aspects of life will break down. There is a, a time limit. Um, but the, uh, your quality of your time limit—I've um, said it a lot actually in recent weeks—that none of us get out of this life alive. No, we don't. And, and holding some kind of ideology that is against that—that—that that, that where you—the only logical uh, conclusion of some people's behaviour is that they think they will get out of this life alive. It is the definition of insanity, and nobody can stop the body beginning to. Um, age Um, it's a natural natural process there is a a very definite biological reason why um, we're not having babies at 100 years old Um, and it's part I think of the spiritual journey is to be separate put into um, packages that appear separate our bodies to learn to understand that to have the physical feelings and then also to learn how to cope with the removal of physicality as well i think that's yeah. what the, what my, why physicality on this planet um ages um, it's it's about a a, a a lesson in that your attitude and your mindset your beliefs and your values are, are are what need to be focused on rather than just the physicality and we all go through that phase of of being young and youthful and um and being a little bit body obsessed i don't think there's a person on the planet who i mean it's a classic teenage thing isn't it where everybody gets very self-conscious about about their physicality and very often very judgmental and this is why we have a lot of rhetoric in, in our society around um you know, the pressures put on people by the media, the photoshopping and all this sort of stuff. It's kind of natural that you go through that. I think even if we didn't have magazines and media, I think if we were still cavemen, I think there'd still be a phase in our lives where we all felt a little bit self-conscious um, about our actual physicality. And I think that's part of the spiritual process. And really, it comes down to, um, you know, cliches, because cliches, they're true. Um, the age is, is just a number and actually um, really what keeps you present and and valuable is your attitude towards life but none of us is getting out of it alive you have to accept the aging process you don't have to accept all aspects of it and you don't have to just say oh well that's it then I've reached a particular number my life is over and there's no point again but that's a mindset you know the, the reality is that the physicality would probably follow that Um, If your mindset was, oh, I've reached a particular age um, and my life is only just beginning and I've got a load more freedom to do lots of interesting things, then again, your physicality is probably going to follow that manifestation too.
1: And I think, you know, if I look back to when I was um, small, you know, people at the age of 60, I I mean, older people always seem older to very small people, um, but 60 people were. Old that they, um, when they retired from work, it was often quite physical work that that they were old and worn out, for, in the for many. Now you see so many people in their sixties, for example, who look amazing, who are capable of doing um, amazing things, whether that's physically, mentally, or spiritually. And I think, you know, part of what I'd like to get across to you as a listener is don't be defined by the number of your birthdays. You know, lots of people spend much of their life worrying about what other people will think and doing uh, things because they've been conditioned to think that those are the right things to do, even though it doesn't make their heart sing and it gives them no joy. And I think one of the things that getting older does, if you choose to allow it to, is it gives you the freedom to be you. And to say, I don't have to please other people, doesn't mean you go out of your way to not please them, but it's time to own the fact that you can choose, actively choose how you want to be, how you want to live, um, and go out there and get it. And know that if you are in your 60s and you've looked after yourself, then you've got many years still to come um, and that you want to make those years count. You know, not just sitting watching telly and you may enjoy being a lady what lunches or a and I'm being very um, stereotypical here or a, a man who goes and plays golf or the other way around. But actually, there's more to life. And I think many people are, um with late 50s onwards are searching for a sense of purpose and it's my belief that that often comes from doing something that will make a positive difference to yourself and to others um
3: i think also there's the potential that when when they say they're searching for a purpose it's that they're actually trying to avoid the inevitable that they're still in denial about this life ending in death and um and that's an entirely natural feeling to have, because obviously, as you get closer and closer and there's more life behind you than there is in front of you, then to accept that transition is is a critical aspect of yes. of uh, of the reality of of what we are and who we and who this planet is and so on and so forth so I do think that there's a lot of people using purpose um, as a way of distracting themselves from possibly the work that they need to do to, to come to an acceptance of the inevitable.
1: I think that may be true, and but also I think that they may be using a sense of purpose to avoid doing the inner work on um, owning who they are. You know, it's my view that it's not about quantity of life. You no, know, um, I I I personally don't want life on any terms. I want to be. Um, aware and able to enjoy it and this comes from somebody who was started to be a wheelchair user at the age of 29 Mm. Um, so it's not about being able to climb Kilimanjaro or uh, dance a salsa Mm. it's about can you create a quality of life and I've known plenty of people who've been very significantly limited in a physical way who have had an incredible quality of life because it's what they have made it and how they've approached their life, Mm. Um, I think that makes the difference. Mm. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring um, this up is I'm absolutely of the view that you have no idea what the future's going to bring. The only thing that you have is now. Mm. And to make the most of now um, to make the most of every minute it's precious you know, my brother dropped dead at the age of 49
0: mm.
1: he didn't know when he went out to take that cycle race on that day that his his life on this earth was going to be at an end yeah. but one of the things I can I learned from my brother is he wrung life dry he he lived every moment fully and so when he died it, it was incredibly sad mm. But he'd not wasted a moment of his life. And if you can look back and think, I haven't wasted my time. I have really um, looked and made the most of that, the difficult moments and the good moments, because I've learned from the difficult moments that if nothing else, I've learned that I'm strong enough to survive those. Mm. And for me, I think that if you can live a life that where you, that you, recognize that every word that you speak or not every action you take or not leaves a living legacy and so it is about how are you going to live your life so that you leave the most positive legacy possible rather than viewing i'm going to leave a legacy when i die and people are going to inherit whatever you know the 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 china cat or the uh, the money in the bank Um, you know make your time count in a a positive way for yourself and for others. Mm, Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our our show today. Um, Love to know what you think. Love to know how you are approaching life, Um, whatever stage of life you're at. um, Please do contact us. And you can find um, lots of information at the Genuinely You site. That's genuinely then a hyphen you dot com. Or if you're interested in leadership, enlightenedleadership.com. Or to find out more about coaching, it's it's uh, ginagardner.com. All our books are on Amazon and on my website. Uh, Rachel, it's
3: um, a a trilogy called... (laughs) The trilogy Beyond Fails. The three books in it are the hope... Sorry, I started from the end. (laughs) The three books in it are the first book, The Point of Me. second book, The Truth of Her. And the third book, The Hope of Us.
1: And you'll find Thriving, Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment and lots of other books from me on the website or on Amazon. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care and see you next time. Bye-bye now.